Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Josh and Lance. Bruz, what is up? Welcome to our Working Interferences podcast. I am your host, Lance Timmerman, and subbing for Josh this week is uh, my brother, Clint. Say hi. How's it going? Welcome back. You've actually been on the show how many times already? Four? Have a, uh, one more for the Five Timers Club. Yeah, you get to that nice uh, velvet jacket. I was going to ask, do you distribute those kind of like on Saturday Night Live when you have a five-timer? No, you, you got to go on Amazon and or pre-order it yourself. So. Can I still come to your house and wear the, the, the jacket, the little robe around? Of course. Hang out? Like normal. Because, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Was it Christmas? You know, what I... What I do on the weekends anyway, yeah, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so Josh uh, was busy this week uh, having to, to do a lot of webinars and hosting stuff and stuff. So um, we were originally going to do uh, a best of episode, but I thought you had some ideas. And I thought, let's just throw some fresh content out there and, and Josh can pick up next week where we, where we left off. So Sounds good. Um now you had a chance. There was a, something got brought up recently on Facebook about defamation and things like that. So, which got the the wheels turning in your head, and you actually have a, a friend who is a is he a patent lawyer? Or is he a what? What's what? You know, he's actually a, a criminal lawyer. I think mainly he's down in Lewis County, okay, which uh, Centralia, Washington, Chehalis area. So the amount of people that do stupid things is remarkable. <laughs> so it's always amazing for him to, to tell stories of people saying like, well, your honor, uh, I wasn't drunk while I was driving. Cause I wanted to make sure I was sober after I stole my friend's money from his house. And he'd just be like, <laughs> Oh, you gotta be kidding. You just admitted to some other crime. What the heck? Things like that. That's awesome. Um, but he was somebody that, uh, there was a, a posting by somebody on Facebook that I saw that made made a post. I don't. It might have even been from his his personal page or or dental web page or a dental Facebook page. Uh-huh. And somebody had had a negative response and put some things down that were factually untrue. Mm-hmm. And apparently had was served papers for a million dollars. This guy is going to sue him. And I wondered how legitimate is it. To yeah, I mean, it makes you to sue somebody makes you think twice about the comments you might make on Facebook. I mean, I'm pretty flippant and I make stupid comments all the time. Um, do I need to be worried? Exactly. And yeah, here in the United States, you can sue anybody for really anything, but yeah, where is it really going to go mm-hmm. and what's going to happen? And so I recorded a little interview with Sam. Okay, that I thought it'd be really interesting to include. Okay. Okay, I'm now joined by Samuel Lewis Groberg, Juris Doctorate. And I've got a question for you, Sam. What is defamation? And if anybody, let's, for example, on Facebook were to make a posting and then someone were, say, to badmouth that person, could the person that has been badmouthed sue the other person and win 
for defamation? What what are the chances of that succeeding? Uh, very slim. Very slim. Okay. <laughs> to actually ever get some money, and so you can sue anybody for anything really. Um, but most of the time it's going to get tossed out. And even if it is legitimate, then there's the question of whether there's any damages. And most of the time, I think it's really difficult to establish damages unless you're like a royal. It's easy to, to for them to be able to establish that they've been damaged or just that people well, sue the royals or the royals sue the media. Uh, the royals that. sue the media. And that's just a different uh, setup because the British has a different way of doing it. Whereas you have to, in America, truth is a complete defense. So if you publish something and it's true, uh, even if the people don't like it, then that's a complete defense. But they have to bring forward the evidence to show that it's false rather than the other way around. I see. Gotcha. So what would probably be the motivation of someone suing somebody else, even if they don't think they can win? Uh, It's just like the dental dental example we were talking about. The dental example, yes. Yeah, it's just to it's just to basically you're mad and so you just go and pay somebody to, you know, draft a lawsuit or send a, a scary letter. Right. And I think a lot of scary letters get sent from attorneys without any follow through is probably the reality is cease and desist letters get sent all the time. Right. Like, I don't know with the dumb Starbucks, I would expect at some point that Starbucks would send a letter and say cease and desist this before they would actually sue you. Right. But there you have like more of a situation where there is financial profits and if there wasn't any anything being sold that would be a different deal right right and in starbucks case they've got deeper pockets probably than the average person so they can just continue to pay lawyers to draft things or you could they could threaten things i mean they they just have i guess more funding for ammunition even if it's going to ultimately go nowhere right yeah so like what was the movie that we were talking about that has the proof that the holocaust existed uh, yes, actually, there's a movie with Tom Wilkinson and Rachel Weisz and, and the guy that plays Moriarty. Sex, Lies, and Videotape. No, uh, Denial is what it is. So the movie is called Denial, and in it, she actually is somebody. She's an author in Atlanta, and somebody is a Holocaust denier, put forth all of his arguments why the Holocaust doesn't exist, and then she debunks him, but then he sues her, and then she's surprised that she actually has to go to the UK and prove her case. And so she essentially has to prove that the Holocaust did happen in the process. And, and this she, is a true case, right? And this is a true case, yeah. yeah. But it's so different in the UK, um, you know, suing for defamation. I know that also Johnny Depp is suing a newspaper there, claiming he was a wife beater with Amber Heard. And. The trial's going on right now. I'm not sure if anybody's heard anything about it. You get all the fun details. Apparently, she defecated on his pillow one night, and he wasn't happy. I don't think he hit her for that. He just didn't appreciate it. I don't think most people would. See that? Yeah, and see, that's an interesting thing. Like, right there in this, if you're just saying, you know, Johnny Depp, you know, his girlfriend defecated on his pillow, then could she sue you uh, for defamation? I guess the answer is she could sue you, but... Uh, I don't know what the distribution of your podcast is, but I assume probably she couldn't prove any real damages by right, you talking exactly. about that. So at the end of the day, it's really just the lawyers that would win and that they'd get their money. Nothing's going to happen. And I'm probably just right. going nowhere. So. You know, and, and the other thing is it's not covered by any insurance. And I mean, maybe you can buy some kind of defamation slander insurance if you're a newspaper or something like that. Right. I don't know if that even exists. 
But even if you went and somebody said something horrible about you and you went and convinced a jury to give you $10 million, if the person doesn't have $10 million, then you're out the attorney fees and you got a piece of paper that says right, that you've got $10 million this person owes you. But exactly. it's just worthless. So it sounds like it's all probably just a bunch of hot air, scare tactics, ultimately go nowhere. Yeah, that would, I mean, that would be my guess because I don't know how like anybody just calling somebody like a name, like the Elon Musk pedo guy. Are you familiar <laughs> no, with that? No, what is this? So when there was these uh, like scouts uh, that got trapped in a underwater cave oh, in like, yeah. Thailand. Or... Yeah, right. A couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so Elon Musk had like tweeted about it. And one of the guys that was actually like working with them, or I don't know if he was actually there, but he ended up calling him a pedo guy, like hmm. a pedophile. <laughs> and so the guy sued him and it went all the way through a trial and ultimately was a, a, a verdict in favor of Musk, which was that there's just, I don't know what they found, right? whether they found there wasn't defamation or that there wasn't damages or because you have the, the balance of free speech with uh, defamation. And, right, right. Exactly. Defamation, slander, libel. So I have the right to call someone a doo-doo head. That's my right. And as long as they can't prove that that actually caused any damage with him, then nothing could, would usually Yeah, I mean, you could, that. you could file a lawsuit. And if somebody was like, yeah, that's untrue. Um, like if there was something that was proven, like I really false. don't have a head made of doo-doo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And that would be an interesting thing. Cause I guess, you know, it would, and it would get tossed by a judge before it got to a jury, but it would be really interesting to parade you in and just be like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if you can look at my client here, you can obviously see his head is not actually doo-doo. <laughs> I, I, I want to see this. Although, you know, and we say that cause that's ridiculous, but there's, and people talk about Americans being very litigious and filing like a lot of lawsuits. And I guess you can file anything you want. And some people file crazy stuff. But the reality is most stuff that's totally crazy gets dismissed fairly short. But the problem is, is that sometimes if it doesn't get dismissed by the judge at the start, then you're in a situation where your attorney fees are the whole thing that's driving the whole litigation, mm -hmm. which is that that's the that's the biggest driver of cost. And so then you're like, well, I'm going to spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on attorney fees or more than that. I'm sure if you're in a big city and say, well, maybe I can just give them 15 grand just to go away. Right. So it's right. just basically, uh, it's a little bit extortive, I think. And honestly, I've been guilty of, I've had patients make just crazy, crazy claims before, and maybe they ultimately want their money back or something. And it's just, sometimes it's just easier uh, and ultimately cheaper for me to be like, okay, fine, here's your couple hundred dollars, never come here again. And even my staff will be like, well, this is nuts. You should fight this. But, you know, just the, just to hire the attorney might take a few hundred dollars just for a rebuttal. And so sometimes it's it's just like, what's it going to take for you to go away? And right. Sometimes that's and easiest so, for me. And insurance companies, I think that's oftentimes what they feel is they're just like, well, we've got to wade through all these claims and figure out which ones are legit and which ones aren't. Um, and that's the, you know, how much of this is, is me extorting you like when you get in a legitimate lawsuit, like somebody rear ends you and you're like, okay, well, they're not super damaged, but they want 5,000 bucks. Right. And it's like, how do you determine what's extortion? What's worth fighting And different insurance companies? 
pay a yeah. lot of people a lot of money to figure out what the balance what it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, but you probably shouldn't go around calling people pedo guys because uh, unless you're Elon Musk and you can pay attorneys right. for the whole thing. Still not a good idea. <laughs> right. Probably exactly. not a good idea. But I, I wonder in that one if they figured at some point Musk would just say, hey, it's not worth it. Just make it go away for the publicity or the attorney right. fees. Um, but the, see, that one seems like that's like a closer case, in my opinion, because I guess you could factually come in and prove that you're not a pedophile. Or at least assert that you're not a pedophile. (laughs) True. And that's... that's Somebody have accused me of that. I definitely would want to prove that I'm not. Right. But how would you prove that you're not a pedophile? That's true. I mean, I guess you'd have to have evidence of never having committed any of those Well, I mean, I think the, the... It's the hard part of proving a negative is that your evidence ultimately would be Clint's testimony that I'm not a pedophile. Right. And, I mean, maybe other people who could vouch for your character, but it's not like somebody's followed you around your entire life to videotape what you've been doing. Who knows? This is true. Actually, it's... See, look at me. See, this is... It's been like EdTV. I know I've had someone... Or like The Office. I've actually had a photographer since day one. Actually, Truman Show. I guess Jim Carrey. Yeah, He he probably could prove it. But if you're not him, I guess he wouldn't be able to. But, I mean, that's the whole thing that's tough about things like that if what people say is... A lot of times you just can't prove a negative. Right. And so there's different things that go into that, but not my specialty, but it's something where if people call our office, it's not something that we even get involved in. And sometimes when people I think have maybe even have a legitimate claim, it's like, it's just not worth dealing with it. Let's deal with your legitimate claim and your slander, libel, defamation stuff is just not, it doesn't add value to the claim. Right, right. Because then you're off talking about their First Amendment rights and things like that. And you don't want to get sidetracked on little things that don't really matter. Yeah, exactly. Like whether you're a pedophile. But <laughs> that doesn't matter. You, should, you, you might want to edit out this pedophile part. I, <laughs> you and like I do want to, this, this I do to stress we that I, I am not a pedophile. Yes. So, um, but in, in the like dentist thing, I think it's an interesting situation. If you can prove something that is factually wrong, like that he said he got his license taken away in two States. And in fact, he only got his license taken away in one state. So maybe that is factually wrong, but what are the damages that accrued because of that? And I I would think unless he'd said I had a contract for this company, they were going to give me a hundred thousand dollars to be their poster boy. And they sent me this letter and they said, we saw this comment from this guy. And because of this comment, we are now, you know, retracting our offer. And I figure if you had something like that, maybe. Yeah. But other was, than that. There was a lawsuit with an actress that was in like Pitch Perfect or one of those singing movies. Okay. And um, and she sued somebody and she presented some kind of evidence that the people hadn't hired her for the movie, that they were like going to give her a contract to be in another movie. And then they were like, oh, well, we heard this about you. And so we're not going to give you that part. And she prevailed. Oh. And I think that was in Australia. So. Interesting. Okay. And see, that would make a little bit more sense. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you could try and bring in people that I guess you could like focus group it or try and find like some kind of expert that would say, well, um, 95% of people that were interviewed said they wouldn't want to come to a dentist that's been uh, lost his license in two states. 
but I assume you would also get a similarly high percentage of people that don't want to come to a dentist who's lost his license in one state. And even one state. True. So I, I think that Although you'd be, be really surprised hard. by that. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people it's practicing. They seem to be busy and it's kind of a head scratcher, you know, license take going to other places, doing some questionable things. Right. Well, and then if that's the case, then it's like, okay, well, how did your business do before this allegation? How'd your business do after the allegation? And if the answer is nobody cares whether you've been uh, had your license revoked in multiple states because they just don't pay attention, they just don't care. Right. Then obviously there's no damages. Then there's no damages. Yeah. Back to that. Yeah. So any other questions? Uh, no, I actually, yes. Sam? Yes. I feel a little bit lonely tonight. Can I bring a pizza over and, you know, will you share a pizza with me? Sure, Clint. <laughs> Thanks, man. That. In conclusion, essentially, unless you can really prove any kind of damages, okay, that hey, because of these comments, this is what I've suffered. Okay, you're really not gonna have anything happen to you. I don't think. I think okay. it's just there's no way with a burden of proof to to show that you were damaged by any comment somebody else made to have anything come from that. Uh, right. A lot of times, it's either a scare tactic a way to annoy somebody, maybe get them to spend money on lawyers. Sure. And I, I think for a lot of us, myself included, whenever you you get the the official looking papers in your office or someone hands you something or someone threatens a lawsuit, sometimes it's easy to yeah. you know, have your pulse go up a yeah. little bit. You get kind of nervous. And even, Lance, didn't you even have something early on in your career where somebody uh, want a, do- a domain that you owned and sent a threatening letter and you were like, okay, here you go. And he realized, I think I was just duped. Did you have like a Invi- <laughs> Seattle Invisalign dentist or something? And yeah, I, I, that, that happened. I also had a patient who, um, she was a younger, probably girl in her twenties. I did a crown on her and, um, let's see, I, I was doing PFMs and as I adjusted the bite, as what it can sometimes happen, a little spot of metal shown through on the occlusal. So it looked like, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking pinhead size. And, uh, so she ended up, uh, wanting me to, um, refund her money. Uh, there was a potential issue. She was going to need a root canal or so anyway, she, she has a, had a friend or I think it was a friend who had letterhead that worked for a law firm or may have been a, even a lawyer, but they, they reached out using their letterhead saying, Hey, let's just settle this. Um, we don't need to get, go all official and, and everything. So just refund the money. And I basically said pound sand. Um, you know, it, to me, it was, it was too fishy. If it was a legitimate claim, they wouldn't have said, let's do this off the side. I think it's just a friend doing a favor to see if they could shake down mm-hmm. the, the young dents. I think it only been out for a year, so I didn't really know anything, but I knew enough to say, you know, knock yourself out and nothing happened. Um, I didn't refund the money. They, of course, didn't ever come back. But you know that she was a she was a bitch anyway. So I'm glad she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you realize a lot of times people are playing. It's almost a game of chicken. Yeah. that they're not going to really see all the way through. They're just how far can we take this? Yeah. If this guy refunds the money, if he gives me this domain, mm-hmm. great. And if he doesn't, oh, oh well, they'll probably not do anything. So yeah. just kind of part of the the society we live in. So. Yeah. Yeah. So while I got you on this week's episode, um, we had talked previously about, um, we're both in a, in a situation now, a previous, you're a previous practice owner. I am currently a practice owner, but, but dabbling in being an employee and, um, 
now that you're working for other people, um, you've had quite the experience of seeing how wide the variety is of way people do things. Um, Mm -hmm. And what was interesting to me is you would share stories. It, it, It was shocking how the inferior people thought that they were the superior ones and talking down to you or me or, or things like that. So um, I don't know if you want to share any specifics or details or if the former uh, boss is a listener and, and is going to get all <laughs> defamation shit going on. But um, why don't you share a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. No, I, uh, which I've liked to you know, a lot of these people that I have worked with, um, so no, no, nothing personal against anybody, but, um, I have found there, there is more than one way to skin a cat, uh, right. pretty much in anything, but especially dentistry. And my take is, Hey, as long as you're able to accomplish what you are trying to accomplish and it's clinically acceptable, go for it. Um, when I was practicing in Iowa, when I would take impressions, cause I, hated packing cord, mm-hmm. I would use a, a gingival trough with a laser, sometimes mix in traxident or retraction paste. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to Colorado, the assistants were taking the impressions and they preferred to use cord. And I said, hey, as long as this is working and this yeah. is what you got, d- do it well, fine. Yeah. So zero issues. And a lot of times they would uh, still go ahead and, and temporize their uh, with their provisionals with temporary cement, which, okay. But I have noticed uh, there's a lot of people, and this, this is, I'm sure is working for many, many people out there, where they don't want to get the patient numb when they come back. Uh, but they're they're using a resin cement, and they'll take the tooth off. There's saliva, there's blood, there's still speckles of, of the temporary cement, and then they just put it on, send the patient home. No, you know, take care. And usually things are going Okay, that's that's worked for them. Fine. For me, I have found it much easier to lock the temporary on. And as long as you know what you're doing, because I have seen people lock on a temporary where there's just a lot of excess on the adjacent teeth, on the gingiva. Yeah. And they, you know, maybe they just don't have a command of the technique. Well, it it starts with a good impression first. You know, if you don't have a really good detailed impression for your temporary, it's going to have really sloppy margins and it's, it's a mess. But if you invest the the extra, I always do a double uh, technique where I wash the, I do Mm -hmm. perfect him, like the blue velvet. And then, then I put some light body material in there. So I get all the details. So there's really very little flash to clean up. But if you skip that part, that's, that's a mess. And a preview coming up on a, I believe it's going to be in September. Uh, I actually met with uh, Kevin Fry and Zach Miners on Clinical Hacks. Oh. And we went over some different techniques for that. And that's one thing I'd mentioned, to go with a heavy body and a light body. And some people probably won't justify um, spending the extra money for the material. The 50 cents. But I... Well, that's the thing. It's To <laughs> me, it's not that much. And I'm done in a matter of minutes. Three minutes later, I you're done. assistants take an hour. I do know people that... They have a three-hour crown prep appointment, single crown, mm-hmm. to literally give the assistant one hour for the temp. And I think that's just that's ridiculous. ridiculous and excessive. Well, especially if you're on a, so, some, one of those stupid PPOs where you're only getting like 600 bucks a crown. You, you, right. you have no profitability there. Exactly. So when I moved back here to Washington, I went to go work for somebody. And I, I realized you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's fine until you go to throw the other person under the bus without completely knowing 
what you're talking about. Right. And I've been at clinics where someone's going to seat someone else's crown. So I did a crown prep and, you know, it was a molar, molar tooth, got this patient in and out the door in under 40 minutes. And the other practitioner goes to seat it and lost her shit. She <laughs> got the temp off. Couldn't really, why do I have to drill this off? And then she got a bunch of black on that. <laughs> now, Lance, what is the black? The black scuzz, uh, the chromogenic bacteria that got underneath the crown and turned color. Guess what it's not? It's not decay. A shit ton of caries. <laughs> yeah. And so she freaks out. She's telling the the patient, the staff, every, oh my God, this decayed in a few weeks. This person did this wrong. And it just lost her shit. So now it makes me look bad when I'm like thinking like, you got to be kidding me. And luckily, like, you know, I had messaged you and you actually happen to have a video uh-huh. with Superoxal. Just, hey, check it out. It's just whoop, magically goes away. Yep. So I had a chance to, to pass that on and you just get kind of this blank look. And, uh, and so that's just really tough when I'm, I've even gotten to the point, I've told people like, look, I'm not making this stuff up. Right. I've learned this someplace. <laughs> um, and so then I go to work at another clinic and again, the assistants are, they're taking forever. Um, or maybe, and maybe there's an abstracted area that I, I didn't, you know, quite, didn't have a chance to block out. Or maybe there was just too much heme where I'm like, you know what, we're going to lock this on anyway. And, and we'll move on. And I would tell the assistant this. And again, freak out and they're like that's even it goes so far to say that that's malpractice that's what you shouldn't be doing and then i've asked have you ever done a full mouth case yeah have you ever in that case did you have one big unit of temporary material left locked on well yeah okay same thing well that's different i'm like yeah if anything having this one tooth isolated is you know going to be better periodontally than the full arch but again, they would go and they would go talk to the other, you know, talk to the boss and be like, you got to be shitting me. This guy is, you know, essentially a quack. And so it, it just has got to be really, really frustrating because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, these are actual legitimate protocols that are fine. It's clinically acceptable if you know what you're doing. And so. Yeah, I, I love it, the yeah, the inexperienced person talking down as if you're the the inferior and it, right. and you're like, no, no, I'm at a higher level than you, but I am your employee. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> I still always want to have the mindset of I can be better. I want to be better. Right. I want to. The only way you're going to improve in chess is to play against a better chess player. So that's why right. I've taken a lot of CE. Right. And so, but I never want to draw that card on someone like, hey, I'm better than you. But sometimes <laughs> when you ask, like, how long have you been out? Oh, for a few years. Oh, where have you studied? Where have you gone? What have you you know, what courses have you taken? Where have you learned your techniques? Uh, just, you know, Magazines. whatever was local, whatever was free or the magazine, which, yeah. okay, fine. I've done some of those, but yeah, that's, so that's <laughs> shocking to me there. I've met a lot of dentists that their, their only CE seems to be the annual state meeting. And yeah, and most of those guys, they walk in, sign up, sign their name so they can, they can get their credits and then walk out and go get lunch. I mean, these these people. Oh, I've, I've seen that before. They aren't learning. They give the code. They, they aren't any good. These are these are shitty dentists that are inferior, and it really sucks taking advice from them because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right, right. Or <laughs> working under them, who then throw you under the bus with a patient. Yeah. When and in they, reality, it's like that's just bad form. You never talk shit to a to a patient. You know, it's just no. No one never. Knows. That's just stupid. That's just no. I completely agree. And even I, I had a good working relationship with. Uh, the person that bought my practice actually in Iowa, mm-hmm. and he 
he would take uh, many different steps, use different materials, but he did everything as you're supposed to with those steps and materials. I didn't tell the patient, yeah, I wouldn't approach it this way. I was actually able to to back him up. Like, oh, Dr. So-and-so, he's going to you know, place this amalgam here. He's going to monitor that. When he comes back, he'll do these different things and and you know, you'll, you'll be fine. And like, rather than be like, that's ridiculous. I would have done this instead or just yeah. extracted an implant. And you know, there's again, there's more than one way to, to do things a lot of times. So yeah, my, so my advice to people was, you know, if anybody listening to this and like, Hey, Clint is just full of crap, which <laughs> I am, I really am full of shit, yeah. but go double check it on your own. Go, go look at this, go look at something reputable and, um, yeah. You know, because well, because before that, when I tell people that I I can routinely, I'll schedule an hour for a crown appointment, but it's not uncommon to be more like thirty minutes when we're done. Um, that gives us mm-hmm. plenty of time to to talk a little bit more or not be in a rush or anything like that. But when I tell some people that thirty minutes, they freak out. They're like, "That's that's impossible. They just physically can't be done." I'm like, well, once you find out how I do it, maybe maybe you might learn something, and. Um, there's just a lot of wasted uh, time in a lot of the, these offices that are taking three hours. There's a lot of waste. It doesn't have to be three hours. Exactly. I feel like it can be just so much more efficient. And so my my whole advice would be to uh, my whole advice would be, hey, look it up. Go to something reputable and figure out what. You know, just look into this technique and see what other people have to say about it. Maybe try it. And you know what? You may end up saying, I I really want my patient to be able to floss. I mm-hmm. want my assistant to take an hour for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and fine. At least you can make a more educated opinion of at least that technique or me or whatever. So I'd say just double check for, you know, the whole check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, um, I'll edit this part out here because I, I remember there was something that, that sent you uh, off about a year ago when you were still in Ellensburg that, um, I don't know, was it because you were using Nelson Rigo for a lab you did an anterior case, but there was a PPO patient? I'm trying to think what the scenario was. Um, man, there was so many things in there. <laughs> I mean, there was... Uh, let's, let's pick I one mean, more there, thing. Well, I'm trying to think what was, well, one thing was sleep where it was just, you okay. know, if someone's got severe sleep apnea, you should never okay, let's, let's, even have bothered. Let's, let's do that one. Okay. Um, so Lance, one other issue I had too, uh, and you're definitely something to, to run this by okay. is, and you may even see this come from sleep physicians, but I, I've noticed having some dental practitioners who are getting involved with sleep and they say, Hey, if someone has severe sleep apnea mm-hmm. and even severe sleep apnea and they can't tolerate their CPAP, they should still not have a mandibular device, no mandibular advancement device. Um, that is contraindicated. That is ridiculous. And uh, I, I know that people that are out there teaching are encouraging people to kind of start off slow and, and stick with the, the, the moderate and mild cases only. Um, but to, to say that you can't do severe is, is absolutely r- ridiculous. Um, now, I mean, when I got my diplomate from American Board of Dental Sleep Medicine, I, I had to submit 15 cases, 10 cases, just kind of show my data. And then five cases where it was really, really detailed, kind of a big summary, um, 
a whole bunch of photos and, and whole, the whole nine yards. And I, I think out of those 15, I think 10 of them were severe people where their, their HI was above 30 and I still got them down to less than five. So clearly it works. Clearly it can be done and it is not contraindicated. So I think you, you were in a situation though where uh, they were absolutely refusing to, to do severe saying that you couldn't and shouldn't and, and all that. Now, if you're severe, I think you should at least try the CPAP, but sure, if, sure. if you absolutely adamantly refuse, hell, you're better off at least with a mandibular advancement device instead of nothing. Well, my take on that is let's say you're at a 90 and with yeah. the device you get to 30, uh-huh. isn't that still better than 90, yeah. even though you're not out of five? Yeah, Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I get that it'd be great if we can be five or under, but yeah, or com- I, I still think improvement is better than nothing. Yeah, and combination therapy is a real thing too, where some people can't tolerate the mm-hmm. CPAP at the pressure uh, by itself. But if you do, if you open the airway with the oral appliance, then they can turn the CPAP pressure down and get the benefit of the CPAP and, and combine the two. And, and that's certainly uh, acceptable and, and, a, and a great, great way to do it. So, right, right. so I think it wasn't it a hygienist that, uh, that was looking down on you saying, oh, you can't, you, they're severe. That, very correct. <laughs> because what was then told the patient, the patient was like, I've been told that I'm too severe. I can't use the CPAP. Nothing can be done. And I just had said, oh, well, actually they mm-hmm. found that you still can get some improvement for this. Yeah. Um, or trachea- definitely go over some tracheostomy. So, or that, <laughs> that works too. You can sound like, uh, was it uncle Ned from South Park? Yeah. <laughs> But I'll think it's from his smoking. No, that was the voice box that was gone. <laughs> that was right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's coming right for us. <laughs> um, why do you think there are sleep physicians who would say that as far as mandibular advancement? I've got my theory. Uh, I think it's, it's a turf war. They just don't want us to have very much success, and they want to be able to, to keep... Because I have, I have some sleep physicians that, even mild and moderate, where you're supposed to start with a oral appliance first, not CPAP. They they want mm-hmm. CPAP for everybody, so they only reluctantly even make the referral to for the appliance. But they absolutely just think that it should every everybody should be a CPAP. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And even isn't that recommendation for a mandibular advancement device? Doesn't that come ultimately from the American yeah, Academy of Sleep Medicine? It, it does. So from <laughs> their own academy is saying do the MAD for mild and moderate, but they're going against their own academy's recommendations. So right. it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like the the physicians that still want to pre-medicate uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, moxicillin for someone who had knee replacement 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, better safe than sorry. So. Well, um, no, <laughs> you moron. <laughs> well, your antibiotics won't work for you anymore here pretty quick. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Lance, you you also are doing something this week as well, aren't you? Are you you're heading out to is it Chai Town out to the Windy City? I am. I'm gonna go to the Wiener Circle. Okay, I was gonna say <laughs> I, I've never been there. Me neither. But have you seen their one that was their COVID PSA? And I then did. Their, I don't, I know, their little blurb for the Chicago Blackhawks. I didn't see the Blackhawks, but I saw Jack McBrayer visit. I think he did it for. Oh, there's that too. If, I think he did it for Conan O'Brien. Yep. And the, with Triumph, Triumph so, came with as backup. So funny. That was the that was the best. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. When, when the Rona was at full force, the shutdown was at full force. Um, airlines were hurting, and so you could get. I think we spent like eighty bucks for our flight to Chicago. <laughs> we made the plans in April. Nice. 
And so uh, just recently, um, some shit hit the fan and it might not be the safest place to go visit, but um, oh well, we've already paid for the tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I saw a meme the other day. It's like Chicago, you know, come for the beautiful city. Stay because you got murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it's not the case. Well, Uh, we'll see. Keep watching the news. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Hey, do you remember where we had a crash in Chicago when we got there in the middle of the night from Milwaukee? Oh, that little place you hot box, hot box that guy. <laughs> Some motel for that they rented by the fifteen minute increments. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, can we get ten uh, <laughs> sessions? Um, it's the two of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was awesome. We've had some adventures. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, you can't steer a parked car. So the travel, um, <laughs> travel has been fun. You, the, you only. You only have the fun stories to tell if you get out the out the door and go do stuff. So we we don't really have much of an agenda. We're just there to kind of kill some time. Um, I got some friends in Chicago that we met when I gave a lecture in Hong Kong and uh, kept in touch on Facebook. And so we're at least going to do some things with them. Uh, Maybe not the entire weekend, but it's yeah, it should be should, should be a good time. It's it's always good to get away. Yeah, I like Chicago. It's a fun place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And as tradition okay. is, we always get to um, pick a song. And so, since you're the guest, do you have a song you would like to? I I do have a song. Okay. Um, this was about six months ago. I, I need to re up my uh, Sirius XM radio subscription because oh. I noticed on Alt Nation uh-huh. is how I would discover new music, and I don't I don't really uh, do uh, Spotify yeah. or Pandora all that much. Same. And so just sitting there at a brewery and I, I kind of recognized the style of the bass guitar. I'm like, huh, does Primus have a new album out? And then I did a uh, Soundhound search on it and it came up with, not sure if you've heard of this, but it's the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Oh, wow. Les Claypool's and it, went solo, huh? Or oh. Yeah, well, it's Les Claypool with Sean Lennon. Oh, wow. You know, John Lennon's son. Yeah. And then he also has uh, the keyboardist from a band called Stone Giant. And then the drummer from Cake, sweet, and it, it was a it's a great song and and you know I was really into Primus a lot growing up, mm-hmm. but it, you know they're not for everybody and I really thought this gave just this really cool psychedelic classic rock sound and um, they they went on tour 2018 2019. It's just kind of like a side project that they that they've kind of kind of done in between their own gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know too much about Sean Lennon's music, but it looks like his main band is uh, Ghost of a Sabertooth Tiger. Okay. Um, wow. But this this is pretty cool. So the song I wanted to, to leave everybody with was actually... Um, the song is called Blood and Rockets, Movement 1, Saga of Jack Parsons, slash Movement 2, To the Moon. Wow. Okay. I think a lot of people just colloquially say "blood and rockets." Okay, that's pro- and, and it was a, a solo released on it. But this is uh, the Claypool Lennon Delirium. All right. Well, on behalf of Josh Austin not being here and Clint Timmerman, I'm Lance Timmerman. Peace. Stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>